You are listening to the Coach's Ed Podcast, exclusively on the Rush Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. This is Pablo again with Rush Coach Development. We are very pleased to have Tim Schultz again here, president and founder of Rush Soccer. Tim, thank you very much for joining us again. And how are you? Doing pretty good. Thanks for having me, Pablo. My pleasure, my pleasure. So I wanted to continue our conversation that we had last time and keep going over the rush way um, together, if that's if that's fine. And wh- one of the questions that, that I wanted to ask is about the playing time. We have a very defined rule that we call the 80-20. And um, I thought it would be great if you could explain it to everybody. Yeah, the 80-20 rule is something that we just devised over the years, and it, it means um, – you know, ages 10 through 14, the ages, the age group of 10 through 14, we really don't want to classify as starter. So we have kids that um, will have um, um, eight out of the 10 starters will switch. And we have two people that will just rotate in. Let's say my two weakest players are rotated in. Um, You know, let's, let's assume that I know my top 11 and then the uh, 12 through 18, if it's an 18-man roster, I'll put those two players in, and then they rotate rotate throughout the games. So this kid never really understands if he's a, a sub or not. He just feels part of the team. I think that's crucial. And over the years that I've been coaching, it has proved to be successful because that kid really feels part of the team, and he, she develops over the years and feels very confident. And I think confidence is everything. So that's, that's called our 80, 20 rule. That's very good. That's very good. And you, you were combining it here with the idea of, um, of playing time along the season, correct? Like you were saying, like along the season, the players should play the same amount of minutes, but how how do you administrate that? Well, good. Yeah. So it's not just the starters, the 80-20 rule on the starters. It's also the playing time throughout the year. They're supposed to have equal playing time. And we just keep rough minutes on the players. Um, we actually have a team mom or a team dad keep those because, you know, they, they enjoy getting involved. And then, and then I'll look at the chart frequently and uh, I see if the minutes are somewhat close. Now, I know full well in a big game, I, I will actually – do more playing time with the players that will win. So, uh, you know, we're not hypocrites here, but throughout the year, minutes are somewhat equal. Very good. Very good. No, that, that makes sense. And, and it's true. We don't want to be hypocritical, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's a good rule to, to stay fair and to give the same number of minutes to the players and sustain high confidence. I, and I like that. Um, you know, another thing that you mentioned very often in the Rushway philosophy, it's the, the 4-1 coaching. Um, how, do you, how would you explain that to everybody? Well, it's real simple. It's, a, it's a being positive and telling the players he she's doing a good job. And you try and keep that with four ratio of nice, good balls, you know, great, great pass. That was super good tackle. And it's sincere. It's not phony. You really are trying to recognize things that are good. And then, and then time to time, you're, you're throwing in the, hey, you should have tried this and giving instructions. I actually find that it works in business, too. If you're telling people they're doing a good job and finding the good things, they seem to be, they seem to be engaged and work harder. 
So the players are no different. Tell them they're good, and they start behaving that way. Very good. And do you have any specifics on the on that one negative or let's say instructional um, coaching? Do you, or, or do you think it's just better to be direct with, with the player? Wow, that's a great, great question. Over my coaching evolution, I have found that there are things that are not black and white. You know, I saw Neymar trap the ball with the outside of his foot behind his uh, left foot. He trapped it with his right, and and it just he killed it. And then a week later, I saw one of our rec coaches, I mean, sorry, our competitive coaches coaching one of our rec teams, and he didn't like the trap because it, it snuck away from him. Well, he said, you know, hey, adjust your body and get your, your, your right foot behind it. And the answer is, that's not the answer. The answer is, you got to keep that ball tighter. I don't care if you travel your shin, your outside of your foot, inside of your foot, because Neymar did it. So our players could do, our players should do it. So I got to be very careful in saying what's right and what's wrong. What's right is, um, uh, let me think of one here that's very specific. Don't you know? Hey, don't head with your eyes closed. That that's an obvious one. You know, keep your eyes open. Now, um, maybe a, a different point on heading would be, you know, did you did you 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 cleared it good, but could you clear it to find the counterattack pass so we can get in the attack? Did you see that person? So now, now my question is to the player, did you see it? Did you think about it versus the four to one saying, no, this is wrong. And even posing that one instructional, you got to be sure as a coach that it's a right or wrong answer. I hope that makes sense. No, it does. It does. In fact, um, it's such a good point, right? Because we coach it's sometimes coaches they think that, that, that they they know what's good what's right and what's wrong and and um i i think in soccer effectiveness is is very important at the end right it's like people that say hey what's 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 the right way to pass in the ball what well, the right way to pass in the ball is the one that reaches your team in the right place and the right time i don't care how you do it at the end if, or you know or they say they they look at players finishing with their with their with their toes and then and they say like oh no don't do it well turn around and watch Romario and score 900 goals doing that so um it's <laughs> it's true it's not that easy to to be precise about what's right and what's wrong it has to be extreme cases you're right about that well that's it's such a good coaching evolution that all of us go through you know we, we see something on tv and we say that's right and this is wrong and that's not the case there's so many ways to skin a cat And, and really the answer should be, did you get your objective accomplished? You know, did the pass get there? Did the, did the head ball get cleared? Did you get your shot off? My God, half, you know, nine, 90% of the shots are not technically perfect. You would not say, here's a technically perfect shot. It's the foot behind the planting, you know, foot is off an angle. He's leaning away, but he still gets, gets it on target. This is skill versus technique, in my opinion. So, yeah. Completely, completely. I guess it's part of the magic of the game uh, as well. And things are a little bit relative because it's a game. For instance, there's one that I don't like. And maybe this is a little bit off topic, but I, there's one that I don't like. That is that people people try to teach, uh, to coach players to say, hey, dribbling is based on, you know, making a feint, making a move and accelerating. And I'm like, is it really? Because as far as I know, And Menotti used to say that, and a lot of players say that this is like the idea is deception, the only fundamental of 
dribbling. If, if, if you pretend to go one way and the defender thought that you were going to do it and you go another way and you pass them, that's a perfect dribble. It doesn't imply necessarily any type of acceleration. Pablo, that's so true. Look at, look at your coaching techniques. Let's say the kid dribbles three times in a row and he, and he messes up. Is my next comment say pass the ball? Where let's rewind the clock and now the kid beats the guy three times around, gets three shots off. I'm saying, ah, oh, you're doing awesome. You're, you're a great dribbler. Well, what's the real answer if you look at those three examples? The examples on the first kid is, hey, get better at it. Get, you know, get your faint. You know, really get some deception in there. That's my not real answer. Not say, don't dribble anymore. And the other kid that dribbled three times, well, hey, that's, that's a great shot, but you also had an option here to pass. Now go back to your four to one. That's great. You know, here's four one positive things, and the one negative is not a ne- not a negative, but an instructional. How we deliver is everything. Top players, top coaches in the world, it's how you deliver that message. The player's trying to take somebody 1v1. Well, yeah, there's a pass, but he chose to dribble. If he does both of them successful, well, we're on our we're on our way. Conversely, if he fails in both of them, it doesn't mean I say change. It means it should say, hey, get better at it. Just keep working at it. No, completely. And, and, and talking about the way we deliver, right? There are three moments, and, and you talk about this in the Rush way, uh, philosophy, that are very concrete for, for the way we deliver things. Um, our coaching, that are the, the pregame. The, the warm-ups, like, what's, what's the philosophy there for you? Oh, my gosh. My philosophy, you know, I coach national teams and even in the pros, you know, there's this standard warm-up. You see it on TV. In the youth, I totally try and remember what I did or what, they, what I focused on the week prior. Let's say it's uh, pressing in the final third, okay? Prior to the game, I'll set up a scenario where we're pressing in the final third prior to the game so that they, they remember what we worked on the whole week. They know I didn't like it in the previous game because the opponent came out so cleanly. And now I'm going to, all right, let's, let's set up a scenario. You four backs, you know, come out of the back, keeper, throw it out. Now, now forwards, here's how you press. Here's how it works. I want to see it this game. You would never see that in the pros, probably not in college. I certainly wouldn't have done that with national teams. And, but yet I'm doing it in the youth. It, I, think, I think our warm-up should be geared around what's real applicable so the kid can remember what's going to happen in 15 minutes. That's true. That's true. You know what I what I normally combine it with, and this is I, I used to I used to do it differently. But one day I was talking to um, Fernando Profesionalini, Diego Maradona's coach, and he, and he told me, "Have you ever seen all the videos on YouTube from Diego just like juggling with the ball before before the game and everything?" And and he told me we we used to do that on purpose. Like I don't believe in warm ups. And he's a conditioning coach because he was saying it's a uh, it's a social um, moment in which the player has to connect with the environment. So in that moment, sometimes you just you just need to talk to the player and say, hey, what do you need? You're about to play. You're 10 minutes from playing. What do you need? How do you connect? And, and I found it so useful. I do it sometimes with my teams. And, and I just ask them, what do you need? We're about to play. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love that. I love that. And you know, helping a player learn how to prepare for the game. One player sits on the bench with his headphones on, listen to some cool music. Another player needs, you know, five shots on goal. 
and another defender needs, you know, how to clear the ball with it, with their head, whatever. And then the following game, maybe, you know, maybe that player didn't warm up properly. You approach him and say, Hey, was it mental? Was it physical? What did you do right and wrong? So teaching the player how to prepare for the game, everybody's different. It's <laughs> someone got to tie their shoes a certain way. I don't think we should intervene too much on a mass level as a coach. I still want to teach. I, I treat it as a training session, maybe 10 minute reminder, but I do give them some free time as well, especially as they get older and older. And I, I help them learn how to get their mind and body prepared. True. Very true. So, okay. So we go to the next moment um, in which the way we deliver is so crucial that is half. What's, what's the right way for halftime for a halftime period? Oh my gosh. I just don't find that I was very effective with youth players um, as a group. Uh, they just kind of tune out, you know, think of, think of it as yourself. Now put yourself in their shoes, empathy, one of our core values. They're thinking about the mistakes they did, the good things they did. It's very egocentric. The player that comes off the field. I mean, there's no question. I'm thought about my game. Every time I walk off the field, I want to, Reflect how I did. I I think you give that player time just to really, really sit down and do their own thing. If these kids are chattering two or three at a time and there's some over in that corner and some over here, let them go. I have found that my half times are ineffective. I rarely talk. I'll pull them off to the side, a couple players or two or maybe small groups and reiterate things that I saw. If I do feel inclined to talk, I'm going to use my four to one ratio and say, hey, you did a good job. You guys hit super on the heading. I loved your tackles here in midfield. You guys are dominating. Keep going at, up front. I tell you what, the pressure that you're putting on, so it's a very positive and very reaffirming type thing. No, that's very good. That's very good. And in fact, when I was reading this passage about halftime on the Rashway philosophy, um, I remember, and I'm not saying that Zinedine Zidane did what you say, Tim, but um, he, there's a very fun, very interesting video on YouTube about his, half, his halftime talk when he was coaching the Champions League final for Real Madrid. And um, not only that he doesn't, he doesn't go into the dressing room for like four or five minutes, but he also waits exactly seven minutes until he says his first word, like half of the halftime on purpose just to give that space to the players. I really like that. I really like that. I, I, the biggest quality of coach can have is empathy. What is the player thinking about? What are they, how are they feeling right now? At halftime, if I'm a player, I just want to relax, unwind, get a drink, talk to a couple of my colleagues of mine. I just want to unwind. If I get engaged with the coach, if I'm, I'm a player now, and the coach engages me right away, I'm almost annoyed. I'm almost, you know, I just, I need a breather right now, coach. And if, if the coach doesn't talk to me the entire halftime, I could care less as a player. Now me as a coach, I'm supposed to teach kids, but the timing is not probably appropriate. You know, maybe one thing to one individual. And if you can keep it positive, the kid, the kid's there because he's enjoying the game. He, he loves football. Don't ruin it by implement, implementing adult philosophies don't do it too quick 
completely, completely. And and when you were mentioning the how the player feels in that moment and how you can actually feel annoyed, and you know, if we all have empathy at one of our core values and we remember how it was to be a, a player, it's true. You, you you could even feel annoyed if, if somebody approached you too quick during halftime. And I think that, that gets even more marked um, when it comes to the post-game, correct? And, and I think that's why you wrote that passage, am I right? I did, correct. That part specifically says, this is the part of the game where players should be given education on how changing specific things that would have altered the game. Mistakes must, must be learned from and positive, um, no, um, acknowledging positively uh, the events. Spend very little time dwelling on the past and prepare to look forward on the next challenge. What a great, great concept in football. You know, how, let's say a player scores two goals. What is my comments for the next, the next play for the play? Hey, move on, move on. You know, the game, move on. The game hasn't finished. Keep playing. What if the kid misses two shots, two PKs or two sitters? Hey, move on. Keep going. Come on, play. Psychology is amazing. We, our past affects us so much. I know we should learn from it. I know we should grow from it. But the player that lives here and now, the, the moment, is one of the, are the best athletes in the world. They, you know, some psychologists call it in the zone. When I'm in the zone, I'm coaching at the moment. I'm playing at the moment. And this is hilarious. You talk about great players. I remember Pele got interviewed ages and ages ago. And he said, hey, your second goal, X, Y, Z, you did A, B, C with that. And he goes, I don't remember scoring two goals today. And they had to ref refresh his memory. Goes, oh, okay, I remember now. You know, my thought was, this guy's in the zone. He's living, he was, he was living moment by moment. And I think we got to teach our kids this. I don't care about the past. Let's move on. Right now, this is the next play, whether it's pressure, low pressure, do the throw in, play quickly, pass. That is a special coach. Teach the kids, move on, move on. There's another play coming up. What is your job? I absolutely love that concept. And in fact, while you were saying it, I'm happy to, to see it reflected in, in what I do. You know, I, I'm always talking to my team and I say, no matter if we lost or if we won, the first thing that I say on Monday is say, hey, whatever happened during the weekend is not going to play the next game. We're going to start zero, zero, and it all starts over and over and over and over. And just getting used to resetting yourself very quick and focusing on, on what's coming next, I think it's it's key for, for consistency along the I years. love that. I, I love that. If you, Coaches, help your kids live the moment right now. What's the next play? Focus on the next play. And you know what, Pablo? You've been in training sessions where, oh, my God, they take – We've been here for three hours and it's like the training session drags on and on versus a coach that it just flows and you're having so much fun. And the, now the player's going, Oh my God, training's over already. Well, that's a coach that lives in the moment. You are flying through the training session. Kids are loving it. And you can do the same in a game. What's the next play? What is next on the agenda? And it's amazing. You've got to do that every, every two seconds. What's the next play move on. And, and, and you become a better player. Completely, completely. Tim, do you have any final message for people? Thank you very much for taking the time to go to go over this document with me. Um, 
anything that you would like to to leave as a final message for everybody? Oh my gosh, nothing on my end. I could talk about football all day. It is uh, just keeps my heart heart pounding, and it's good to get kids. Here's the message: It's good to show kids passion. You can't teach passion. If the coach is crying, kicking the bucket when they're mad, frustrated, or happy when they score, the kids will see that passion, and this is what drives us. You cannot teach passion, but you can show it, and then kids will start to be attracted to you. I think, I think passion would be a good message I could share there. Thank you, Tim. This was Pablo with Rush Coach Development. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and see you next time. Thank, 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 thanks for listening to Coach's Education exclusively on the Rush Pop Podcast Network.